We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He turns. He fires for the win. He's got the bucket at the buzzer. Weather back to Bibby. Has the open shot. Ladies and gentlemen, up on those feet, put those hands together. And we'll meet tonight starting five for your Sacramento Kings. Welcome to the Kings Beat Podcast. I am James Ham, Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. Joining me this evening for a live show, Fox 40, Sean Cunningham. Mr. Cunningham, how are you? I'm good. I'm uh, doing all right. It's getting a little cold again. Why is that? Like, there's rain in the forecast. Like, the Kings season just ended. It should be warmer around this time. Why are we getting rain? I'm with you. I'm worried about my back and the weather change. This is a weird one for my back, which like the barometric tr- uh, pressure shifting greatly. And that's never a good thing for me. So like when it goes from really warm to all of a sudden cold, uh, that's bad. Okay. Let's introduce Brendan Nunes from the King's Pulse podcast. Brendan, how are you? I'm doing well. Change of the month and I'm feeling like Floyd in this May weather. Can't complain. Oh, what? stop. What the hell? <laughs> what the that hell would just... take a lap. That was what so just cheesy, bro. What just happened? What? Did, did you what post is... your Justin Timberlake meme as well? That it's going <laughs> to be May? Happening? God damn it, Brendan. Oh, that my goodness. Terrible. I cannot believe Brendan just went there. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Wild. Uh, hello, everybody. If you are uh, chilling, out and hanging out with us tonight uh welcome there's the chat that's starting to uh fill up populate with people um can i make a request okay no negativity right yeah right Right? sean no negativity is that too much to ask yes i think this is going to be a positive show i don't know about you it should be a really positive show i don't know like we're going to get to it, but there's a lot of positivity that uh, like around this team. Um, we had uh, exit interviews today, and I thought like between last night and the uh, the post game like conversations that we had with players 
And then today's exit interviews, I thought it was nothing but positivity and just, uh, just such a good vibe around this team and around this franchise. So we'll try to keep it. Uh, we'll, tr- we'll try to keep it nice and clean here. Uh, yeah, I think we all saw a comment at the same time. Thanks off topic. Um, <laughs> and Brian, uh, what do you mean? Brian says, Sean saying no negativity. I'm not that negative. I'm pretty optimistic when I'm talking about the Kings. Like, Come on now. Sean cries about the weather, but the Kings, he's okay, positivity-wise. I, for one, have decided to have a drink, so I made myself (laughs) a little uh, Kentucky Mule. uh, What's in the Kentucky Mule? Uh, I've heard the Moscow version, but not not that one. Well, it's basically the same thing. It just used uh, Woodford instead of vodka. Uh, So it's uh, Woodford, you know, basically whiskey, and then uh ginger beer and some lime and some ice and drink it just stir it up drink it nice and refreshing okay. sean, um, do you have a do you have a candle going on sean or am i alone? no you know i was thinking of uh of lighting <laughs> one and i got one ready it's the cucumber melon <laughs> he's Ew. doing if their candles <laughs> did you already beat me to it pal what do you got <laughs> me i still I just got I the still same have... vanilla warm tobacco I still have. See, I want to. I still have the Japanese cherry blossom, but it's kind of. <laughs> Why haven't you lit these things up? What it, What is happening? Oh, I usually do. I just don't advertise it all the time. Hold I on. I, hold on. Wait it's for a it. Conversation. It's like a pyro <laughs> thing going on here. Uh, this is something weird, and we don't talk about all the time. <laughs> but Brendan and Sean always have podcast candles, which is totally bizarre. We need Why our. Why is that bizarre? Is it bizarre? We need more brand of uh, podcast candles that we sell <laughs> that would be spectacular uh so everyone can light the candle see there we go there we go oh, uh, that's, that's ooh, a good one i'm telling you right now that's, that's a good one yeah uh, last time we talked um brendan what, what's your hold up your candle again yeah it's a vanilla and warm tobacco warm yeah, okay so warm tobacco yeah. See, I think we discussed this after the podcast uh when i was young uh my grandfather passed away in a jeep accident when i was five um but yeah Sean. there you go Sean just <laughs> lost <his shit. laughs> um, we, we discussed this that. i think after the podcast i don't know what just happened to Sean. Sean coughed. um but my grandfather passed away when i was young but i used to spend a lot of time with my grandfather and he smelled of chewing tobacco and and black coffee and so every time I smell chewing tobacco, I instantly think of my grandfather. So Brendan's got this candle over there. Uh, hopefully Sean comes back. <laughs> uh, amazing. Um, Sorry he probably, your Sean. I mean, yeah. <laughs> he's uh, coughing in the background. Um, okay. So while Sean is gone, um, <laughs> hopefully he returns here. Uh, first of all, you Hold can on, see his. Wait a second. You can see his beautiful backdrop um, with all of his amazing stuff. Uh, but uh, we're doing a live show. So if you're watching right now, number one, in order to comment, you have to go in and subscribe. It's that simple. As soon as you subscribe, you can comment. Uh, it's a good way for us to bolster our subscriptions. We're cruising towards 3,000. Super exciting. And thank you, everybody, for for turning out for these last minute live shows we don't plan these things well if we did i'm sure we'd have uh even more people than we typically do but uh i want to 
thank all of you guys for jumping on board here with the Kings beat. Um, so with that, if you don't mind, hit the thumbs up button. We'll remind you throughout the show uh, that <laughs> I'm, I'm glad Sean has returned. I have to apologize. Like, <laughs> that was just. Um, I told you this story last time. <laughs> a curveball, bro. I know but you off did. The air, off the we air. were like, everyone was just kind of like jovial and having good time and talking about candle and not. I tell you about well, the time. People like, pass away. But they do. Yeah, I, I know. It, is, it, it was just. What it, is. it was just a curveball and I wasn't ready for it. <laughs> and, and I was mid, mid drink and I've made a mess on the floor. <laughs> Fortunately, it's just water. For what it's worth, I'm laughing at Sean's reaction. Oh, I'm not laughing God. at what James said. Just to be right. Yeah. No, no, Brendan, you're <laughs> well, no, completely I, I understandable. Fully, I laughed at your reaction as well. I like, oh, yeah, it, it happens. I've had, I've had Sorry, a few decades to get over the situation. Um, <laughs> it just was not expected, bro. Yeah, and I knew the story. It just wasn't. You expected. knew the story, just caught you off guard. Oh yeah. God. Okay, um, sorry. okay. So again, if uh, you're you're hanging out here, thumbs up. Uh, subscribe so you can comment. Th- uh, subscribe so you can be part of the fun here. Because um, we're losing our we're losing our shit tonight. It's just happening. It is what it is. We, uh, it's been a long, long couple of weeks, um, and so. Uh, also, jump on board for the King's Beat. Go to thekingsbeat.com. Uh, become a subscriber. Jump on board for a premium subscription. Uh, we're going to have a happy hour soon. And I think I'm going to like throw a crazy curveball here and get someone that is going to be huge and people are going to like go nuts over. And I might even have to like limit how many people can get into the happy hour. Uh, so that's that. Yeah. That's my mm-hmm. plan. That's my plan. I'm sticking to it. Um, I don't even know so, this. Yeah, what the hell is this? Yeah, we'll, we'll uh, get an invite. It probably won't be this Thursday, <laughs> but it might be the following Thursday. Uh, so, all right, Sean, you're not drinking carbonated water, right? Because <laughs> no, carbonated water, water, that would have yeah. hurt. That one would have hurt. Um, no, the other one, that water. No, this water is good, but man, my God, I could use a drink now. There we go. Uh, when right. when do you let it? When do you let us in on the secret of who this person will be, oh, could I be, can... or will be? Yeah, uh, here I'll just text you right you're now. Gonna te- oh, you're gonna text us to, awesome. to add oh. to um, oh. to add to the intrigue. I'll make sure to turn my yep. phone volume up to add to this. Oh, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, oh. Awesome. is that's that good? Great. That's great. Oh, oh, all right. Uh, well, we've burned nine minutes so far of this uh, podcast <laughs> uh, talking about absolutely nothing. Um, but uh, let's get to it. Um, the Kings are losers. They uh, wow. just fell a, uh, fell apart and uh, got demolished and are no good. And it's time to rebuild the roster. Sean, your thoughts? Uh, yeah, Is it Tuesday? Like that. That's Tuesday the, uh... overreactions. <laughs> <laughs> definitely qualifies as a Monday overreaction. Um, yes. No, I mean, I don't know where you want to start. Um, I I think the only thing that comes to mind for me is just looking back at game seven and yeah, you look like you belonged, uh, that there was an entertaining start to the game and get into halftime and you come out in the second half and we see a bunch of shit we just don't normally see, which is a whole slew. I think it was like 13 offensive rebounds for the Warriors um in the third quarter alone yeah yeah nothing going right for the kings 
um, just relying on a lot of port, like three pointers, some open, some not, some force, some not. And then make no mistake uh, that 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 was a crippler of a four point play that Clay Thompson had at the end. But you go into the fourth quarter and look, the, the crowd was fantastic. I mean, I was having a disagreement with with uh, uh, one of our coworkers on the air, Kirsten Keller, last night. I, I pushed back a little. She thought that the the crowd would, didn't really have it in the second half. I said the Kings didn't give them shit to cheer for in the second half, yeah. and I thought the I thought the crowd was fantastic. I really do. I felt like the the normal fourth quarter hype was was great. You know, the the, the game is still within reach despite what happened on that four point play with clay thompson and uh you just really saw one of the most impressive i don't even know what adjectives to use to describe i mean just really really great performances that you'll ever see and uh the kings were on the receiving end of a, of a steph curry magical moment and uh 50 points a record in a game seven it, it, it's tough, but I mean, it, it's, it's also like, you know, you, you kind of admire the Warriors a bit. Like you, you, you gave them all you had, you pushed them to the brink. The second half was a let up and, and they, they took advantage of it. They capitalized on every mistake that they made. And I feel like the Kings fans were really genuinely um, classy in the way they handled uh, the way their team kind of melted down there and admired what the Warriors did and still rooted on, uh, their kings to the very end. I mean, it was really cool to see the when the you know the starters have been pulled. Mike Brown, Mike Brown uh, emptied the bench, and you see this crowd really show appreciation not only for those guys, but while they're sitting on the bench here in Sacramento, chance um, really classy, classy way. I feel that the way the Kings acknowledge the moment, acknowledge the the success of the season, and you know what, tip of the cap to the Warriors. They're still fantastic. Uh, they're a great team. They represent the league well for the most part. I know there's some hiccups along the way with Draymond Green, and some people might feel certain ways about him. Uh, but <laughs> you know, it's just uh, it 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 really was cool. As as Kel's nine one six point Sacramento is a special city. It is, you know, uh, and it and it reminded you too, that the playoffs look good in Sacramento. I think this organization has a bright future. Everybody knows that. And uh, talking to the players, the coaches, staff in the past two days, like everyone's realizing what the moment is. And yeah, this team will look a little different next year, but overwhelmingly it's going to be, uh, run it back and, uh, build off the success that they had. Brent season as a whole season as a whole, extremely successful. I don't think there's any other way to put that and a great first step to a team that could end up being a, just someone you see in the playoffs most years going forward and, and potentially try to grow off of it, but just focusing on game seven first. I mean, obviously masterclass from Steph. I like that the Kings sort of made him do it from two, but I don't think that's thinking that Steph Curry isn't a good finisher. It's just a more of a math thing. Like I'd rather give him two than give him threes when he's extremely efficient at both. And Curry reminded everybody that he's also a absolutely phenomenal finisher. Those scoop shots that are like right in your face, and teardrop in are just absolutely ridiculous. He's sprinting around nonstop, which I know is just classic Steph Curry, but the extent of it always blows my mind when he's playing 38 minutes and doing it every single possession. So he was great, but I still think, and it's kind of just echoing what Mike Brown said post game, that the Kings had an opportunity to win this game, even with Steph dropping 50. I think it's those 13 offensive rebounds in the third quarter specifically that are just, heartbreaking and to Sean's point about the crowd like you could hear 
noises every time they got offensive rebounds. It, it's not like the crowd wasn't into it. They were reacting the entire time. It's just like those are deflating and a possession where they're getting three in a row when they already have double digits in that quarter. It, it's like that really, really needed to be cleaned up. And I wish that we got a close game down the end there and got to really feel the energy in that building in a close stretch of the fourth quarter, but it, it's a great season overall. I'm would be lying if I said I wasn't disappointed in the way that ended, but it happens, I guess like this was, they took the defending champs to game seven. They did. Well, actually I, I think they took them to game six and a half and then the last half fell apart. So yeah, like I want to get to narratives because I think in this, there are a bunch of narratives, but before I do that, I'm going to sort of like piggyback on what you guys said. The 13 offensive rebounds were crazy in the third quarter. Uh, the Kings held the Warriors to just two in the first half. And then in the third quarter, it just felt like every ball flew right to Looney. And I know Looney did great work. And and I know that the Warriors as a whole did great work in that quarter. But the Kings held them to 40% shooting. They held them to 30% from three. They did everything they were supposed to do. The ball just kept flying off long rebounds and landing in the hands of the Warriors. And I know some people have been harsh on Sabonis. That's just a joke. If you watch Sabonis battling Looney, what he was doing in the post was crazy. It was literally like a like Greco-Roman wrestling going on down there. They were fighting it out. And what was supposed to happen was the other guys were supposed to go get the rebounds and they stopped doing it. I know Herter and uh, Murray both had huge first half rebound numbers. Monk had a big second half rebound number, but overall the other guys didn't do their job while, while uh, Domas was trying to hold down Looney. And it's just nearly impossible, especially all of their shots. Like so many of their shots were three pointers. And so that means you're getting long rebounds the whole time. And Domas can't rebound over the entire court. And I just felt like he was doing such a great job of keeping Looney away from the basket. But that meant that when long rebounds flew out, they flew out to where Looney was because that's where Domas was pushing him. So I mean, we can go through and we can break down some of the the you know numbers and stuff like that. But I thought even though the the Warriors had killed him on the glass, the 13 rebounds, uh, offensive rebounds and all that stuff with like five seconds left in the third, it was still a six point game. And then I thought that Draymond Green should have been called for an offensive foul for a moving screen against Terrence Davis. I think Terrence Davis did what he always does, which is make a silly mistake. And he did kick Clay Thompson, but I, I don't care. I still think that it was a moving screen on Draymond Green. There's another play you can see where Draymond walks up to Terrence Davis, who's defending um, Steph, and he just he just takes him and walks with him like five feet out of the picture. And you're just like, where in the world is the moving screen call? And so that play in itself was bad. But the Kings were only down 10 going to the fourth. They were up 10 going to the fourth in the previous game. And the first three and a half minutes of the fourth, they just stopped scoring. They stopped hitting everything. They stopped, They started taking bad, ill-advised shots. Those offensive rebounds broke their spirit. And I think it, it's a bummer, but that's what happens in some of these games, especially against a seasoned team. And then Steph took over, and 
Um, the Kings didn't throw the kitchen sink at Steph. Their goal was to let Steph try to do that and to stop everybody else. And I thought for the most part, they did a really good job. Steph Curry took 38 shots to get to 50. Like that's, can, I, can I push that's back a little? Good. Yeah, go ahead. Where was Davion Mitchell and why was he on the bench? Yeah, I, I get you. You know, I, I mean, you. I understand what they were trying to do it, it for the most part of that. That, But, I mean, you're seeing Steph go off. You're seeing double team isn't coming there. Mike even kind of admitted as much afterwards, saying we could have doubled a lot earlier than we did. Um, and, and, and to your point, James, like the plan kind of worked. It, it, I mean, Steph went otherworldly, but all those other guys, you know, Clay, Wiggins, uh, Jordan Poole, really struggled to shoot the ball. Um, and Steph just between – it was really Steph and – and Kevon Looney and, and that, that wins your game right there, you know, and, and the coupling of bad shots by the Kings, not making shots. And let's face it, it's a game seven. That means Kings aren't making free throws. Uh, and, and by the way, neither were the Warriors to a certain point. And we had another, I mean, Steph Curry, Steph Curry just gave golden one center free cookies. We don't, you don't see that. And it was consecutive games where he's missing that many free throws. Um, never thought I would have said that Steph Curry was going to miss two free throws at our at golden one center and give the crowd cookies. Um, but wow, no, it's just, yeah, it's wild. It, it's just, and you know what? I, I hate to say it. I mean, it's, I'm, trust me, I'm not patting myself on the back when I say this, but this is that, that stuff that, you know, until you see it, you, you just, you're not sure that the Kings can, can pull it out like a game seven um, on your home, even though it is on your home floor, you're going up against championship pedigree. Scott Foster's in the building. There's some crazy officiating going on, uh, but officiating isn't what lost you the game. Um you know, it's all self-inflicted. Trey Lyles said it, uh, I thought, as uh, clear as could be, you know. And, and I really like the way De- uh, De'Aaron Fox talked about it. it. says it's a blessing and a curse because, you know, the blessing of going up against the team that you could have changed. Uh, you talked about narratives, James. Like, you could have really had some incredible storylines. Like, if Harrison Barnes hit that shot, imagine the stories that would have, you know, yep. coming out of that and, uh, even just taking down the Warriors in a game seven or, you know, keeping your foot on the gas. If the Kings looked any different in game three, that could have gone a long way. I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of, I think, pain they're going to carry into the offseason. I think it's a good thing. And uh, I, I saw some, I don't know if it was in my mentions where I saw it, but, you know, if you're, if you're a Kings fan and you have been for a long time, this could be your Utah Jazz, like at 99. This could be the equivalent to that. We've talked about what's going to be the John Stockton moment where they, they clobber someone. I still don't think we, we saw that moment. Um, I don't think that the Kings – I think they played with physicality. I don't think they, they played with enough. I think they did a brilliant job of not taking the bait from someone like Draymond Green and even playing the, the, the newspaper ward and bulletin board material. They were, they were, they looked like a veteran team when it came to that, but you also kind of need a hockey goon and, and you didn't really see that guy step up in this series. I thought I think overall, the answer ahead. that we would have gotten to why did Davion not play is just what the game plan was going into game six, right? didn't, the reason he said after that game why we saw less Davion and just the minute rotation change, more TD, more Trey Lyles and him being the primary back of five, like leaning more into Kevin Herter, even if shots aren't going down, is they were just so much putting a focus on spacing that that needed to be what this team was about. And that's what it's been about all year around De'Aaron and Domas. And it's just like getting shots up. I mean, they only scored 100 points. I, I know you could have scored slowed Curry down 
probably better with um, with Davion. But if they're from their perspective, which is what it seemed like for Mike Brown, the issue is that you're not offensive rebounding and you're not making free throws. I don't know that Davion necessarily helps with either one of those. Um, so I, I don't know. I just to the people that are wondering like what possible logic, I definitely mm-hmm. see why maybe at halftime or going into somewhere through the third quarter, you feel like, all right, maybe we should look towards Davion now because Steph is just on a heater. But I think that's the answer we would have gotten because I saw some people upset that that question wasn't asked post game. Yeah. I don't think like, again, Mike had a game plan to go small, but when you go small, you can't go ultra, ultra small. And Davion is a horrible rebounder at the NBA level. Absolutely horrible. And you can't, you, I mean, you needed Malik Monk. Malik Monk had, what, nine rebounds in that game? You needed him on the court. Uh, Kevin Herter had, what do you have, nine rebounds on the yeah. game? Like, so if you're going small, you can't go small at every position and hope that it works out. And again, like, Steph Curry shot 38 times to get to 50. It's not like they couldn't have made an adjustment. That The adjustment that the Kings needed to make was, to hit some shots. And I think that that's why he left Terrence Davis in the game. He had four threes. He was one of the few players that was hitting any threes. And I I think that's probably the biggest story of the series is that the Kings as a team shot 30% from three. Kevin Herter shot 20%. Uh, Like Harrison Barnes shot 25%. Keegan Murray finishes at 37.5%. So he was great over the final four games shooting the three. The first three games, he was one of eight. So what this all boils down to is everyone wants to heap so much blame on Domas in this series. And I'm just not here for it. Like their entire offense is predicated on spacing and the dudes who space the floor didn't hit their damn shots. Well, and and also like we haven't even mentioned it. De'Aaron Fox wasn't good. From three in the final. Oh, in the final game. In the final game, especially, I mean, you go five of 19, three of 10 from beyond the arc, five turnovers. Uh, he, he struck, he had, he was in foul trouble as well. I mean, it's it, it, like, that's, that's kind of when you don't have like Domas started off, I thought super aggressive on the offensive end and it, it did wane a little bit. Um, you know, I still think he, I think defensively he was a, a presence, but it was clearly his most impactful game of um, the, the, the series. And I think it came at the right time it's just a total utter collapse in that second, in that second half. And when, when you don't have Fox rolling, uh, which you have had basically in every game, this, this, this series, uh, that's going to be the result. Yeah. I also think you really never saw Monk get it going. Right. Monk and, and Fox, they both finished with okay games, but not great games. And um, like, I, I thought that the way that Mike went away from certain players, I thought it was interesting. Like, I don't know how it changes. We'll probably get to that later in the pod, the Harrison Barnes situation and how it might change this summer, like how the perspective might have changed. Um, let's get to a couple of these narratives. Um, number one, the the big one is uh, Draymond Green complaining after game seven that he lost so much respect for Domanis Sabonis for not coming out and shaking hands. Um, like, look, that's not the way the game has always been where everybody goes and hugs it out. That's just not the way the game is played for certain players. A lot of players don't like that. Uh, you know, we can all remember times where 
players are getting dragged off the court for while they're trying to go shake hands after a bad game. I think it was Isaiah Thomas dragging DeMarcus Cousins off the court or vice versa in a game where things got contentious. I don't think, I'm going to say this right now, Draymond Green is, in my opinion, he's going to make the Hall of Fame. And he's a great defender, and he's part of four great championship teams. I don't think in this game, in this series, he deserved to have his hand shook by Domana Sabonis. His antics, his bullshit, his stomping on a player, his acting the fool, his going on a podcast and talking trash all the time, all of it was disrespectful. And if I was Sabonis, I wouldn't have shook his hand either. Now, Looney, I hope that Demonis Sabonis has got Looney's phone number and sent him a text because that right there was one of the most epic battles between two warriors. Uh, just, you know, really fighting it out against each other. They were clean. Uh, Sabonis clearly got the black eye, but I don't, again, I don't think that was intentional by Looney. I thought that that was an epic battle between two incredibly strong human beings and a battle of wills. The rest of it, I have no problems with Sabonis walking off the court because, to be honest, I, there are certain times where I don't think I could have walked up and given a high five to someone that I didn't respect. And it's okay to not respect Draymond Green. You can respect his his legacy and his ability, uh, but you don't have to respect him as a person, in my opinion. And so the, I was okay with Sabonis. And I, again, I don't... This guy, he's he's definitely creating a media career for himself. Good for you. Um, but I think there are a lot of people, even in Warriors land, that would just prefer that he's not there anymore. Uh, I, I, I'm going to disagree slightly. Not, not with all of it. Um, I don't have a problem with, with uh, Domas not seeking out Draymond Green or, or letting Draymond Green come to him and shake hands. Uh, that, tough series right but there's more players on that team than just Draymond Green and Demonis Sabonis basically just showed that the Warriors completely got in his head disrupted him took everything about him and uh uh I I just don't think it was a good look I think if I'm Domas I'm staying out there I'm taking my lumps I'm going to show that hey I'm I'm doesn't matter what Draymond Green did to me uh, even if I don't go up and hug Draymond Green or, or shake hands with him, uh, that's a that's a pretty classy organization over there. That's a pretty uh, go you go shake their hand. It's the end of a series. Uh, Domas is all about. I mean, I talk about it all the time. He got to Sacramento. <clears throat> the first thing he's doing is touching everybody, jab dapping up. Make sure he's the biggest encourager. Uh, and I do think he's an ultimate competitor, an ultimate team guy. And that being said, like that, I I was actually shocked that Domas was not out there. Uh, and again, that has nothing to do with Draymond Green. I, I think he could have done both, which is you know dismissed Draymond Green, even if he dead fished him with a handshake or whatever. Uh, go out there and you so you you tell Kevon Looney he kicked your ass, which he did. You go out there and tell Steph Curry that was immaculate, which which it was. You also just be out there with your show appreciation to that crowd that spent a fuck ton of money to be out there to, to support your ass through seven they games. They did. I mean, that's just, if I'm telling, if I'm looking at Domas, I completely disagree. And I think Domas might have a little bit of regret there. If I'm being honest, I think he's got some feelings towards Draymond green. They can work that out. That's between them. Draymond green and Harrison Barnes hugged it out. And you, we all know kind of the, the story there. Uh, 
Harrison Barnes was equally disrespected in this series. Um, and he had an awful series and he's but out you, there. To, to you, wish caught that, well. you caught that moment. Yeah. Did you feel like that was a two party conversation? Cause that sure uh, as hell didn't look like a two party conversation. That looked like one yeah. guy chirping in the ear of the other. And then the other being a professional and saying, okay, I'm done and walking away. Right. Yeah, and and I will say this: like, if you look at that video, Harrison Barnes is holding onto the back of Draymond Green the entire time. It's not like Draymond that Harrison he's got just his arm go. around him. Yeah, yeah I think uh, again, that's the professionalism and the the high character that is that is Harrison Barnes. I'm not saying that Domas isn't that. I think Domas definitely got caught up in the moment. Okay, caught up in the series. I think this whole series took him completely. Uh, not by surprise, but I think it just took him out of his element. I mean, this is that's about as frustrated as we've seen him as a professional, let alone just here in Sacramento, which certainly it was. So um, I just think it was a bad look personally. I think it also just goes to show that him by him not doing that, um, that it impacted him more than than anyone else on that team. Like De'Aaron Fox had a shitty game he grew up in the series and he went out there and respected Steph Draymond, all those guys. That's what you do. You know, even if it's, even if it stings and again, him and Draymond, if he had told, if he had dismissed Draymond and didn't want to talk to him or whatever, you still go out and show appreciation to that team. I think that's what you do. I think that's what everyone does. Um, this isn't you. Everyone talked to, I know it's in the chat here. People have mentioned the Pistons and the last dance and what that did. It's a, it's a bad look. No matter how you look at it, it's a bad look. Hmm. I think that, part of the game is going in paying a respect to each other afterwards and sort of having that moment. I also understand DeMontis Sabonis being probably just upset with the entire way that the series went and that being it for them and getting caught up in that and, and going back. So I think Domas obviously has a right to do that. And I think Draymond has a right to feel a type of way about it. Like I rather would have seen, I, I just, come from a perspective where thinking that you're always supposed to go do that after games pretty much. And this isn't yeah, little league though. Yeah. No, let me say it, it a different not. way. I think it just shows a fragility on Domas's part, right? Like sh show that you're the better show that you're capable of taking it. You know what I mean? You wilting and going to the locker room. That's a bitch move. That that's, it's punk move. You know, I, I, I wouldn't respect it. Um, I don't mind Draymond for speaking out for what he, what he said, but it's ironic that the same guy that disrupted him, it's like, you're giving him everything he wants. That's exactly what he wants. You just gave it to him. So I just mean that I think it's a bad look. I, you know, I'm sure Domas, you know, I'm sure he's got his reasons for doing it. I think, I don't think he was even thinking about it in the moment. Um, and I yeah, bet I you, so I mean, he, we asked him, I mean, he was asked about it in the exit interview today and he chose not to even talk about it. I think he's a little embarrassed by it. No, um, he, he was he, asked about Draymond Green's comments Right. And he chose not to talk about that. I don't think he was refusing to talk about the fact that he left the court. He was refusing to take the bait with, uh, with Domas after the fact, which is different. There's one thing to, to like defend why you didn't go out there. There's another right. thing to say, I'm not going to give that punk it more right. of my time. And because that's what it looked like. I I'm going to highlight uh, something too here by, by someone in the, in the chat. Um, uh, that that Domas had a bad series and that refusing to acknowledge it, whatever. Um, Domas is is a player who is not going out and scoring 35, 40 points. 
He's a guy that needs his teammates to to basically do their job and able for him to do in able in order for him to do his job. His teammates did not do their job. Many, many teammates on this team failed the Sacramento Kings and failed Domas. When they don't hit their shots, all of the spacing crushed down on him and there was nothing he could do. And we talk about how the Kings gave Curry uh, like a free pass in game seven because they wanted to stop everybody else. Let's not act like the Golden State Warriors didn't do the same exact thing with De'Aaron Fox, the entire series, say, look, Fox is going to beat us. He's going to beat us. We're going to stop all of these other guys who actually space the floor and cause a, a greater impact. So do I think Domas had a great series? No. But I also know that he didn't have a horrible series. His assist numbers were down because flat out his shooters stopped hitting shots. They were bad, all of them. Not one of them lived up to their season average. None of them. So what are you supposed to do if you're Domas? You keep making these passes. They started forcing things. Did he get frustrated? Sure, he got frustrated. Sure. He also got elbowed in the face. He got stomped on. Stomped on. <laughs> All kinds of things happened to him, and his teammates didn't hit their shots and do their part of the job. And that's really frustrating for him. So I, I get yeah. it. Saying I, I that think... someone doesn't show up is like in a playoff series is insulting. Um, yeah, it it, ta- it takes away what the what the other team is doing. Like, look, you know, we talked about the other team with Jordan Poole struggling, Clay Thompson struggling at different points in the series. Like, credit goes to what the other team is doing, and uh, they you take away dribble handoff, uh, you tr- take away some of these things that the Kings rely on. Uh, that that's kind of the result. Like, I don't think you give the Warriors and not you and individually you guys, but certain people who, who will say that they're not giving the Warriors and the opposition enough credit. Like throughout the course of a playoff series, sometimes you end up having to play uh, a, a different role for your team. And um, th- this is, this is all a learning experience. First time they've ever been in this situation. You're playing defending champions as Fox pointed out after the game. Uh, uh, 10 times, seven, four, 11 times in this series, in the season alone. Uh, and most of them, you know, you had those three in the front of the season. You had the fourth game at the end of the season, which didn't really mean anything. And then you get seven games with the champs. Like that's, you know, this team better than anybody at that point. I, I think agree. Go ahead, for Brad. Domas specifically, I, I think that he could have played better, but he still absolutely had an impact on this series. I don't put Looney's rebounding on him. First of all, I, I think the biggest thing, that he could do and he talked about it today is just work on that that jump shot if you can hit that elbow jumper which i think he's hit at a decent rate you know from four to 14 percent this year he's 51 percent from 14 feet to the three-point line he's 45 neither of those are great but they're not bad it's just that's only about a quarter of his shot attempts I, i think that he's looked okay from there there's just never been a frequency or volume to that and i think that this series really helped him like realize the importance of that the way that teams are able to play off of him and to anybody that like I've seen saying like, well, why didn't they do that with Draymond? It's like, well, if Draymond runs a dribble handoff with Steph Curry, then the big is not there. Curry is getting an easy shot. It has so much to do with Steph Curry on why you cannot sag off of um, 
Draymond, but you can with Domas because it's say when it's De'Aaron coming off that screen or if it's one of the shooters, you can just both go with him. So I, I think that Domas said today in his exit interviews, he plans to work on that shot and he feels like their entire season would have gone differently if he was good at that shot. So if he can develop that shot, which sounds like his plan, I think it would do so much for the future of this team. And I'm excited to see what that looks like next year. I even watched he was he was trying different things. Like he was shooting it from like the 18 foot range. Then he started going into the free throw line and doing the one handed flip shot. Like you could see it was in his head that he had to create that shot. And, you know, again, like just to to show some of the points that we're making here, uh, like while the Kings were were like giving up all those offensive rebounds in the third quarter. Wigan shot 0 of 7 from the field. Like the Kings were doing a good job defensively. They were taking away specific things and saying, go ahead and beat us. And at the end of the day, they got beat. They got beat by one of the great players of all time. And so, yeah, I, I totally understand Mike's. Like at some point, I too would have gone to Davion. I too would have like said, hey, like we at least have to try to slow him down. But yeah. I think in the flow of the game you're just like okay this is this is crazy got it just- and, and you know leandro made a good point too it's like we talked to domas today it's like there's a high chance that he's gonna have surgery on that hand he's got an appointment set to evaluate the hand or he did obviously today. His, his finger he did yeah, his thumb. and yeah i mean it's it's a high probability that he's gonna have that operated on so yeah just what a warrior i mean the guy the guy was amazing I, i've had i've seen so much criticism of domas and it's like one series against who I like to call the immovable object in Kevon Looney. I mean, it's a, it's a tough matchup. I, I expected much more out of Domas offensively in the series. It didn't happen to call it a disappointment. Sure it is, but uh, you see why it's happening. And, and in through it all, I still feel he was impactful for his team. Um, he, he had moments in the series, especially in game six defensively. He fouls out of that game. Uh, I thought he was a big presence uh, offensively. Couldn't really get it going, but um you know, it's, it's, it's tough. That guy has been the way so many people have flourished around him by his presence alone. He is a very much an MVP for this team. Uh, and, and, you know, the season that Darren, Darren Fox has had uh, them being third in the West, him not, you know, getting surgery earlier in the year to, to, to what can you imagine what that have looked like if, if, if he had gone away and had to take six to seven weeks possibly uh, away from the team, that would have been, that Game over. A, yeah, it could have been done. So this is a huge foot forward for the Kings. It really is. I think so too. Okay, so I want to get to the... Okay, so Domas uh, told us today that he was going directly from like our exit interviews to uh, a hand specialist. And it is likely that he will have surgery to reattach the avulsion fracture in his right thumb. Um, so I don't know. I think it's like four to six weeks recovery time from that. Um, but it's just a reattachment like of a little tiny bone that's in there. They'll put a pen and to hold it in place. And hopefully that will figure that whole situation out. Uh, we also learned that De'Aaron Fox does not need surgery on his index finger. Uh, there was concern that he would need a pen put in place, but they're already th- saying that that does not need anything. And then we had this amazing moment, which I felt bad afterwards because I kind of hung the uh, media relations staff out to dry, but we had this situation with Keegan early in the season 
where he hurt his hand. And I think he was on the injury report one game with a sore wrist. And that's it. We never heard anything else about it. And then Keegan started wearing the same bandage that Domas was wearing. And we kept asking him about it. And he kind of would look at the media relations staff and then like not say anything. Then he told us that he had been cleared and we're like cleared from what he wouldn't say anything. So at the end of the media session today with him, he's like, Hey man, can you finally tell us what happened to your thumb? And it turns out that uh, Keegan Murray also suffered an avulsion fracture in his left thumb, which Domas had a right thumb. He has a left. It's his non shooting hand, but his dominant hand. So Keegan is left-handed, but he shoots right-handed. His brother is also left-handed and shoots left-handed, which is one of those subtle differences you'll see between the two. But Keegan had a an avulsion fracture, but his avulsion fracture was a minor avulsion fracture, which likely means that it was a non-displaced fracture, like the bone fractured but didn't completely pop off, and so they were able to immobilize it and hold it in place and let it grow back together. So Keegan won't need surgery, but his, his thumb injury was also a major, major issue early in the season. I think he did that in early December, right around the same time Domas did maybe even like a week before. And the Kings kind of kept that one under wraps. And so, well, yeah, I, I, you're right in how he he had dodged some of the questions earlier, but as the season went on, I mean, Domas was saying he's got the same injury I do. Keegan said the same thing. You see the rap, it was exactly the same. Um, the 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 specific medical of the avulsion fracture that's that was new today. That's I guess if you want to call it that, but it also healed on its own. It healed yeah. before the playoffs started, so that was a the most encouraging thing. It really wasn't a factor, and that was it was a factor of him experiencing it early on in his rookie season, but in terms of as the season progressed, he was able to play with it. And reason it wasn't on the injury report because he was going to play like it it wasn't going to prevent him from playing. Um, It was, it was weird to see the wrist, but I think actually he was dealing with a wrist problem at that time as well. And there was no need to actually have to say the thumb. So um, yeah, weeks ago, because when he took the the wrap off is when I remember Domas even, um, weeks later saying that, you know, Keegan's dealing with the same thing. Um, but yeah, yeah Keegan getting into specifics and the fact that I mean, most encouraging that it healed on its own is great. Yeah. He said he had a chip bone and that he had a torn tendon or torn ligament, torn ligament in the thumb. Um, yeah. And I'll say this. I think it did matter to Keegan. It did actually, because while he shoots right-handed, he does dribble and do most other things predominantly with his left. And so it's possible that we saw less, uh, less of what his potential was off the dribble early in the season because of his hand injury. But either way, he's going to be fine. Fox is going to be fine. Domas is probably a coin flip and he probably needs surgery, but we'll have to wait and see until they kind of figure that one out. Um, my other thing fracture is all healed by now, by the way. It is. Yeah. yeah. In your, in your toe. The whole thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> you just went out and got yourself an avulsion <laughs> fracture. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So here's my, the other narrative that I love. Uh, Steph Curry couldn't sleep. Draymond Green couldn't sleep. They start texting each other. This dramatic text. They're old men in the middle of the night texting. And then. Basically, Steph Curry gets on, gets in front of the team and says, 
don't get on that bus if you're not willing. I, I wonder, was there a point where Steph Curry just wanted to call Mike Brown and say, hey, Mike, I could really use 15 of your all-in T-shirts because I got this plan to tell my team that they got to be all-in or they can't get on the team bus. So can I borrow 15 of your all-in T-shirts because I'm going full Mike Brown with this thing? Oh, Sean. I don't think I want to hear Sean's take anyway. I think I think they should have all signed something, you know, like a <laughs> they should right? they should have signed a Steph Curry like <laughs> like a shoe like, or, or, or a, a, a jersey <laughs> and a glass case. Hey, yeah. Everybody, if you're not if you're not in totally in, not all in, but totally in. Uh, I was like, it, I was still it, it was corny. It was corny. These but narratives hey, is like this whole entire series, James, like James, it worked. Like, think about uh, that. Like you're Curry and you give that speech, right? Which again is <laughs> cringy, corny. We get it. But he goes out and does what he did 50 points. Like, and that makes that it was, badass. That makes it like, yeah, it's like shit. It worked. Like it, and probably <laughs> it's probably because it's stuff, right? Like you don't have those moments from him. And, um, I would make the argument that it worked with Looney and most of the sure. other players. It didn't work at all. And Steph carried a, a bunch of bitch asses all the way to the finish line. Are Think we sure he wasn't that, only talking to Jordan Poole? Remember? Yeah. I was saying like uh, Jordan Poole, like you see Jordan Poole and Draymond Green have that moment. Right. And it's, and look, things are dire at that point. I mean, you just, you just lost on your home court and an elimination gate where you could have just put the, put the team away and moved on. And now you've got the pressure of going back to Sacramento. Um, those are the times you get those win one for the Gipper stupid speeches. And it worked. <laughs> I mean, it worked. I just like Brendan, at least Brendan, and I can acknowledge it worked. <laughs> Five of 16 from the field. Andrew Wiggins, four right. of 19 from the field. Clay Thompson, two of 10 from three. Draymond Green scores eight points. Uh, like you, I, you know what would have been funny though? Jordan is... Poole, eight points. Moody, <laughs> five says, points. Like Curry says, don't get on the bus. And you just see like, <laughs> I don't know, Iguodala get up. He's like, all right, I'm out. He's not even playing anyway. Like, <laughs> Don't get on the bus. <laughs> it's okay, no, Steph. Just, yeah. We know you're going to carry us either way. Like, can we, it should, should have been like, here's what I'm going to need all of you to do. Get in the backpack. Get in the backpack because I'm carrying you. Get in the backpack. Maybe a backpack. They need to sign a backpack. Just like, Everyone or just hand backpack. out backpacks to all of them. Like, get in Steph Curry backpacks. <laughs> Are you in? <laughs> the narrative's like the same thing. The Draymond Green has told the team he is. He thinks it's better if he comes off the bench in Game Four. They played so well in Game Three. He's coming off the bench. Uh, that's not what happened. It's not. He told the team repeatedly. Well, they kept telling him they were going to put him on the bench, that they thought that was the best idea. By three days in, he finally said, huh, I think I should come off the bench. That's how that happened. Like, the narratives in this series are spectacular and overblown, and it is what it is. <laughs> the nature of the postseason, I guess. James, James ain't here for it. I ain't here for <laughs> any of it. <laughs> Where is their backpack, Bell? Ring the backpack bell. There it is. <laughs> um, like Steph, uh, Steph looking over at Vivek and saying, lighting the beam, doing the light the beam motion like that. Probably, like, is that for that sure a light funny, the beam? Yeah. Has anybody else like that's a light the beam for sure? 
Oh, oh no, it's what he, he said. He I said think it he too. Yelled, Light the beam. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And then he um, came over to the bench and screamed into the crowd like Draymond did in game two. It was it was awesome. Like there was there was to see the theatrics of that as everything was playing out playing out like tip of the cap, man. They 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 they, they did it. They looked like champions. And the Kings made it take a Steph fifty ball in this series. Right. Like yeah. I think, you know, if you want to totally go from Sacramento's perspective, like that great moment from Curry exists because the Kings pulled it out of him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to get to this, uh, Danelle, uh, all the exit interviews, the way players talked about the bond together and city really embraced them. The fans were great. Uh, it made her feel emotional. I'm going to play a clip from Trey Lyles. Trey Lyles was incredible in the locker room last night. And then today during his exit interview, um, I thought he he struck a chord and I did not upload the video. I'm just going to play the audio clip for you, uh, but I'll do it near the mic so everyone can listen to it. If I can figure out how to hit a button. Wait for it. Oh, old man. Returning okay. is honestly my number one priority. Um, the, the the fellowship, the, the relationships that I've been able to create with these guys has been um above and beyond anything that i've had in the past um you know i went to uh on a personal side i went to De'Aaron's like birthday dinner earlier this year and that's the first time that i've ever you know hung out with i guess you could say a teammate or like in, inside of a personal matter like that at like a house just having dinner and just you know hanging out so um for me that's that's my number one priority is just continue to be here and and build those relationships with these guys and, and be part of something special. I thought that was pretty strong. I mean, my thought was why is no one invited Trey Lyles to hang out before? <laughs> like what the hell, man, you've been on several teams. Like I think you he gets can't... invited. You know, I'm going to, because Trey Lyles isn't one of the top five guys on a team. And so? not everybody gets invited. Not everybody's a cool kid. Not everybody got a text at 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning from Draymond Green. Only the cool kids got to be on the text thread. You can see the text thread says Clay and Steph. It doesn't say Clay, Steph, Gary Payton the second, and uh, who's that lamb guy? I'm thinking of like... Our, when, our media dinner did not only include the top five media members, okay? We who, invited top everybody. Everyone. No, there hold is on, no who's your, who's your? Hold on, stop. Now, now stop. Who's your you top have to be under members? 30 to qualify, so... Oh, uh, Under like 30? So James and I are out. <laughs> We're the OGs. What are you talking about? Yeah. I want to know it this was... top five media meal. Top five media guys. We'll see. We'll see. All right. How, a, do you remember when Kendrick Perkins posted like it's like the Thunder posted them going to the movies or something like that and Kendrick Perkins wasn't invited and he commented on it in the Instagram post he's like well I see y'all go out and didn't invite Perk <laughs> like that's how I'm thinking like with Trey Lyles like who's not inviting Trey Lyles go do stuff with Trey Lyles man well Trey think... has been on five teams in eight years and I think right. that like another thing he answered later is kind of him saying that you know getting moved around a lot makes him hesitate to build those connections out of right. fear of building them just to lose them. And he said no. that when he got traded to Sacramento last year and this year was the first time he said, screw that and let himself build those relationships. And the impression I got is that's a strong reason he'd like to stay. I think so too. 
And someone asked, uh, was Tony was Tony Ray there? Was Tony Ray Harvey? We invited Tony, just so everyone knows. We did invite Tony. He was not part of the pictures of all of us out uh, having a good time Saturday night in uh, in San Francisco. But Tony was he he ended up at some other person's place in Berkeley. Thought he was going to make it over, didn't make it over. We I kept texting him so he knew where we were at. We invited everybody. We we're all inclusive for that event, and I I thought it was a big deal. And like for all of us who had been through so much together, I thought it was a fun night. It was. We all had a good time chilling and hanging out and all that stuff. Um, Some people aren't built like that though. They just they can't hang. So they Sean know. said I'm built different. <laughs> they can't. Sean Sean is in fact built different. Just so people know. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I thought that like every single person who stepped to the mic showed an appreciation for what's happened. And of course it was a, what they considered the top nine guys today. They gave us, you know, Terrence Davis was the guy that I was a, an addition to what I thought was going to be the top eight. And he was there as well. Everyone is excited about what's happening. They all would like to be back. They all think that this is a pretty amazing place and that this is, like we talked about uh, today's topics, a lot of it was about basketball home, because it's a, it's a term that that was Dom- weird. Well, no, it's it, Domanus Sabonis brought it up, like that. Well, he you did. asked him. Yeah, you asked him. No, no. About- he said it when he first got to Sacramento You're that right. he had yep. been searching for his basketball home forever, and he thought that he had found his basketball home just the way he had been welcomed with open arms. And, you know, I, I told you guys this story when um, we moved up the hill up, up to this area, my son, who was, it was the day, I think it was Halloween, or maybe it was a, the first day of school after Halloween when we moved up to uh, Lake of the Pines area, every kid in his class had a welcome letter and they were all waiting for him, you know, in his class. And he felt so welcomed it really reminded me of the way Sabonis came in. Everyone was so welcoming to him, not just within the walls of the organization, but you know, the, or, or the 14 guys on the team, but everybody in the community, everybody in within, you know, golden one center, all of the staff, everybody. And he's felt it the whole time. And that's a big deal when he's going to make a decision next summer about where he wants to finish his career or where he wants to make, you know, his 200 and something million dollar contract it's these things come into play. And so I, I do think that it's a really cool thing that, um, that the vibe here right now is so good. And I thought from one player to the next, to the next, they were all so incredibly good. And like, they gave good perspective, you know, like whether it was Fox talking about like, you know, growing up and like, he, he said he'd had the best year of his life, like whether it was like personal success, but marriage, baby, Mike Brown, team success, personal success, all-star, you know, the way he's played in, in the, uh, the playoffs, everything. And, and, but I thought like almost to a man, they all were feeling the same way. Am I, am I off base there? No, not at all. I mean, look, Sacramento was once looked at as a place no one wants to play at. Uh, when you add someone like Damana Sabonis and you've got a coach like Mike Brown and you're having a fun style of play that's equal opportunity where anyone can score, that's attractive. You know, it it's it's still a small market and it's going to be tough to to draw a certain 
types of players in free agency, uh, but you know, you're, you're basically over the cap anyway, <laughs> depending upon what kind of moves you make. So free agency really isn't where the, the bread is buttered for the Sacramento Kings team. So um, I, I think that, the, the way this team is trending, there's people that want to be a part of it. And uh, you've got guys that there's going to be some tough decisions made for sure. There's going to, this will be a new look team. It's not going to be, you know, wholesale changes, but you're going to see some, some, some changes for sure. And a guy like Trey Lyles, you know, now that he's going to probably command more money, you know, there's, there's some, there's a conversation to be had there. It is ironic because I, he's playing with a team that I could easily see or playing against a team in the in the playoffs. I could easily see him end up in. I mean, he'd be brilliant for Golden State. Uh, that whole series, I said they they need somebody like Trey Lyles, and Trey Lyles would be brilliant there. But he's also plays an important role for Sacramento. And uh, coming into this season, uh, I didn't think he would fit the type of role that they were carving out for him. I didn't think he'd be nearly as impactful as he was. Um, so good for him for really exceeding expectations there and, and building something to where, I mean, he's going to, he's, he's probably going to command possibly $11 million a year, anywhere from that seven, eight to 11, high as 11 possibly. So uh, it's, it's for him wanting Oof. to stay somewhere and find a Trey. Are we still talking about Trey? Lyle? You don't think he'll get that much. I mean, Oof. everything's, mo- everything's going up now. 10, 11. I'm with you on like seven, eight, 10, everything, 11. everything's moving up now. All these contracts yeah. are moving up, you know? So it's, uh, I, you could, I, I think you'd love to see seven, eight. If you're the Kings, I think there's a team out. I think there's teams out there. You could see possibly getting a little bit more and then the Kings have a decision to make. Okay. So I, the way that the league works though, is if you have cap space, you can go out and sign somebody. If you don't have cap space, you can go with a mid-level exception or you can go with a biannual exception or you can do like a sign and trade. Like when you as a player take less money, which is what what he did two years ago, I thought it was crazy that Trey Lyles was on a two-year $5 million deal. But once you go down in salary, you rarely go back up, especially that, that big. And all related to, again, like, the Harry Giles situation. Everyone thought, oh, Harry Giles, the Kings opted out of his $2 million a year, uh, like his fourth year option. He never got more than that fourth year, that that league minimum ever again. And that's that's typical. So I, I put Trey Lyles in but the same. He's, but he also didn't have two knee injuries like Harry Giles. Harry Giles at the back end of it was, was there were teams, people didn't want to invest in him. They, they don't have any, and the guy's not playing. He never played again. He went to Portland Played a preseason game, never did anything. Well, yeah, but I would relate it to more even like financially the Alex Len situation, which is well, where I honestly think Trey Lyles is going to live in this salary. You guys can think I'm crazy, but there really isn't a gap between the MLE at 10 million slash 11 million and the biannual exception at 4 million. I think mm-hmm. Trey Lyles will probably get a two year, $8 million deal. He might get a three year, $12 million deal with a, third year being a team or a player option. Like I think he's had a really nice season, but he still averaged like eight and six. Like that's not, he's not someone that people are going to go out and spend honest to goodness cap space. He's not a person that I think teams will spend mid-level exception on. Yeah. So he's going to live in that gray area. And that means that, you know, the Kings have as good a shot as anybody to bring him back. I think the best thing he's got going for him too, is not only did, did he have a lot of results in the season, 
His body's in the best condition it had been in as an NBA player. Uh, and he put a lot of, a lot of uh, strides this season. Um, I, I could see it, man. I really could. Huh. Maybe not. I think, I think 11. Uh, yeah. That's, that would be high. I don't think anyone's going to be that desperate, but um, yes, yeah, certainly, the... certainly he's going to make more than what he made last year. Yeah. Like I'll, 2.5. I'll, I'll just pull this up. Like that's kind of where I'm at. Like three, like around there, starting salary at, at 4 million. So that's really, it's, you can get a two-year nine million out of that, or a three-year like thirteen point five fourteen. And you're speaking for for specifically the Kings or for all NBA teams? No, for the Kings. But I'm also saying that like around the league, right? Teams aren't going out and spending their cap space on Trey Lyles. Like that's like unfortunately, and that's not a dig on Trey Lyles. Like he's no, and it, and it hasn't been, but but you know he's made a lot of strides this season, and I think there's a lot of teams that can look at him and say it's exactly what they need. And yeah, Mark Sousa just brought up the 448 for Portis. That was that's a lot of money. <laughs> but, yeah, Trey Lyles isn't getting isn't no. getting that money. Um, okay, so thanks for listening here to the King's Beat podcast. We are doing a live show here on YouTube. Uh, are we done? So, no. Oh, yeah, right, so, Sean. Like halfway so through I the episode. Should, no, I was just say if if you guys are out there and you want to give us a thumbs up, that would be totally appreciate, appreciated. Uh, also jump on board with the Kings beat, go to the Kingsbeat.com, become a premium subscriber, all that stuff. Uh, but I just, I just wanted to reset us here. And James, um, if you want to comment, what do they have to do? It, yes. If you want to comment, you have to subscribe. You have to be a subscriber to the, the channel, the YouTube, um, channel. The YouTube channel here. So, and it takes two seconds. And once you hit the subscribe button, you are instantly allowed to, to comment. Um, we only care what you have to say if you subscribe. That's, that's right. That's that's totally just, true. Just for live shows. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's get to the other end of the spectrum. Did Harrison Barnes hurt his value greatly? I asked him the question today to start the show, like, hey, like, if this is your last time, you know, what do you what do you feel about your four four and a half years in Sacramento? And said, what do you want your legacy like, to be? Yeah, well, yeah. I said, how proud are you of like the outcome, and what do you what would you like your legacy to be? Something like that. And he said, "What am I dying? I feel like I'm dying." <laughs> um, I laughed. I thought it was funny, but at the same time, I thought at the beginning of this series, at the end of the season, Harrison Barnes was looking at a three year, forty eight million dollar contract, like seventeen, sixteen, and fifteen or a three-year 45 at like 16, 15, 14. My number keeps dropping, and I'm not sure how he fits. And the Kings are trying to bring Sasha Vazenkov over, and you know Trey Lyles is still part of the conversation. They know they need a long defensive wing to go with whoever they bring in. Like, where are you guys at with Harrison? Because he played barely at all in the final two games, he was totally a non-factor. He didn't hit his shots. He shot 25% from the field for the series, barely rebounded. Even the one game where he had 17 points, he had one rebound and no assists. Like, this thing kind of went sideways, and I'm not sure how to like put into perspective what what damage he may have done or, or is it too late to do damage because he has a body of work that's much larger than this. He did start every time that he was available for the Kings this season, and that was every single night. 
I, I think there's an extreme amount of value in that. I think the final two playoff games definitely were eye-opening just from it just says a lot about how the coaching staff felt about how he was performing and also a lot about how some of the other guys were performing. I think that like HB is a shooter, but not the same extent as Kevin and Keegan. So golden state's not guarding him the same way where Kevin and Keegan still have a gravity HB. They don't, it's just not the same extent of spacing provided when shots aren't going down compared to Kevin and Keegan. And the rebounding wasn't amazing. I still think he has a lot of things he does. Well, it's just going to be about like, what is the, league-wide perception of Harrison right now when it comes to contract value because I think it's somebody you'd like to have around but it's also in my mind the obvious position where if the team's going to make another jump that that's where you could find a way to get better and I think that like a sign and trade if there's something that they saw as a potential improvement could make some sense I also wouldn't hate the idea of HB being back I, I don't really know how to feel about those last two games. I think I need to get a better feel for what free agent market looks like and potential names that could be your other options. Because the last thing you want in my mind is to, I don't know about the last thing because I was, I was going to say the last thing you want is just HB to not be there and you don't have a replacement, but maybe you're freeing up flexibility in the future. It's a weird situation and clearly I can't take a side right now. Uh, I'm a little, I think throughout the course of this year, um, I've talked about HB and his future in Sacramento and kind of the degree of Keegan Murray, you, if everything goes well, like, like he should be able to replace Harrison Barnes. Um, maybe it's not being able to do it as early as next year, uh, to where you can count on him being that type of player, uh, as a, as a, but, but he certainly made great strides in that regard. So um, I, I feel like having the likes of Harrison Barnes and Keegan Murray, um, you already know you got Keegan going forward. If you are to lose Harrison Barnes, which uh, I don't think they necessarily want to, but you would be, Oh, you would be, you'd be able to navigate that a little bit, you, you know, free up some money, Hopefully you're finding somebody better. Hopefully you're finding a rebounder. Hopefully you're finding a, uh, I've, you know, me, I'm, I've always been after a three and D for the longest time. So, um, I, it, they don't grow on trees though. You know, it, finding the right person to replace him would be challenging. So, um, I can see a, a pathway to where Harrison Barnes isn't on this team. Uh, I think there's a pathway where he takes less money uh substantially less and carves out a role for himself that could be very good with this team especially with some of the you know you mentioned james sasha vezenkov you know what does that look like would would he i mean there's not necessarily there's a high belief in his ability to be on this team and to be able to produce for this team uh but there's no guarantee that vezenkov is ready to go either so um knowing somebody that, that you have that vet where you can rely on harrison barnes a, as a starting four possibly three in this league um, you, you go for it. But if, if you can, if you can upgrade the position, you absolutely go for that too. Yeah. I think the Kings are going to be aggressive in trying to upgrade the position. Um, a lot of people bringing up Kyle Kuzma. Um, I'm not sure that Kyle Kuzma has like ever done anything that would warrant me to like jump all over him as like a free agent signing where you're going to have to pay 
25 or 30 million dollars a year and even that in itself is really difficult for the kings to go out and do um like I, I, people bring up cam johnson again a young player uh he's had some injury issues i'm not sure that that works i like kyle anderson slow-mo uh but again i'm not sure that that's an upgrade uh, maybe it year. is what's that he still has a year he's not a free agent yet okay yeah yeah um Jeremy Grant, someone brings up Jeremy Grant, and like, look, um, Jeremy Grant is is the same age basically as Harrison. He's a different type of player. He doesn't have the impact off the court that Harrison does in the locker room. I'd point out that even like in their their most chaotic, like incredible game game six, right, where they're they're in this amazing, uh, they have this opportunity to go in and beat the Warriors. Everyone says it's it's Harrison Barnes who's pulling everyone aside. Every time there's something that's happening, Harrison Barnes is the leader that's pulling everyone together. So I, there is still a tremendous amount of value in that. There's also value in a player who understands his role and isn't going to make waves. So if you were signed Harrison Barnes to a three-year deal and then lo and behold, he's coming off the bench, I, I still think that you're that's fine. Harrison is a pro. He'll deal with it. And like, Sasha Vesenkov, he's not as good as Harrison Barnes, in my opinion. Like, I've watched tons of film of him. Like, I don't think he's as good. And he's not that much younger. I mean, like, 27 going on 28. It's not like we're talking about some 22-year-old guy who's, you know, winning uh, MVPs in, in the Euro League. He's a role player, but we're talking about 7, 8, 9, 10 on a potential playoff team. Harrison Barnes is still a starter. He's still a guy who plays 30 plus minutes. So I think like we want to be really reactionary when somebody has such a bad series, but you have to be realistic as well and understand that Harrison Barnes helps carry this team to, to 48 wins. He played all 82, He played 30 plus minutes in all 82. Like this is a guy that Mike Brown relied on for so many things during the season. So I think it's possible he's back. I just don't think that the value is going to be the same. I don't think he's going to get nearly as much money. And I, I certainly don't think he's at a point where he'll go play for nothing. Um, he's not going to go play for league minimum. He's not going to go play for $5 million a year or $4 million a year. So if you're sitting around the $13, $14 million range, I think you can probably still get him and you can probably still have a very, very good player for a long time for at least the next three years. And then the other thing, like we bring up Keegan, I still look at Keegan as more of a, a four that can play three and not a three that can play four. I really want to see what he looks like at the end of summer. And I, so I, I, what do you guys think? What can Keegan be by the end of summer? Because if he can become a three, I think it changes everything for the Kings because it's easier to find a stretch four and a, and a defensive-minded shot-blocking four that, you know, 20-minute-a-game guys – to man that four, but the three is so difficult to replace. I think a lot of it for Keegan in my mind is a mindset change of just being more aggressive. Like, first of all, dunking the ball. And maybe that's a uh, more than mindset. Maybe that is kind of bulking up a little bit, or I think there was just an adjustment to NBA physicality. I think we saw that very drastically, like in the playoff series itself, first three games, kind of non-existent and then the latter four I thought he was phenomenal um so I think dunking the ball I think rebounding consistently would be big for him he's shown it at 
a good amount of games this year, I'd say 30, 40%, something like that. But doing that consistently, I think like we've seen a lot of flashes of mid-range jumpers, but that's maybe won a game in the last quarter of the season. Like if you just go to that more often, I think they were already going down at a decent rate. Like I, I do think that Keegan showed me a lot throughout the end of this season and specifically second half of that playoff series against Golden State to where, I mean, I've said it before, I'm very wrong about what the future ceiling of this guy was when I was looking at it at the time of the draft. And I think that's one of the biggest areas of where this team can continue to improve moving forward. Um, I don't exactly know what the difference between a three and the four is in modern NBA, to be honest. Um, yeah, it but I matter. think you need two guys in that spot either way, right? Like, yeah. you need two similar type of guys. Yeah, and I, sorry, Brennan. Like, I agree. I mean, Keegan has moments where I mean he can play either position. I just don't think he's ideal for either position. Like a little undersized for the four, possibly. Um, I'd ideally like to see him a little more size for the four. I think for the three, he's got good size, but he doesn't really play the way a prototypical three and D would be. Um, you know, someone pointed out that not, not a lot of slashing, obviously he's got the corner three. He can shoot over it. He doesn't really have, he's not really great off the dribble. Doesn't really have great ISO ISO skills. Um, so yeah, these are all things that you want to see him develop. And I think getting his body right will be also uh, just as imperative for him. Um, getting more, playing with physicality. He got a good taste of it this year. Um, but yeah, man, I, I think it also just depends, being that he can kind of kind of rotate from basically two positions and then defend upwards of four positions uh, is, a, is, a, is a nice problem to have. And you can put pieces around him. Like if you ended up with a, you know, I know just taking names I've already seen in the chat, but everyone knows how I, what I think about Pascal Siakam. I think he'd be brilliant in a Kings uniform. I just don't think it's going to happen. Um, you know, you got people like Paul George was mentioned. I mean, yeah, if you had somebody like that, then you just, you just filter around them. Like if you end up, if you end up with that type of player, who's instantly an alpha on the team, then Keegan just plots right alongside him, you know, whether it's four or three, doesn't matter. Uh, whichever one you're getting, he just plays the, the opposite role. So um it'll be interesting. I think for him, it's just all development, it's confidence. It's, uh, it's, it's the physicality. It's the adding more to your, to your toolbox. And more than anything, I think, I think what's going to be really fun is, is keeping him with Domas over the summer. Uh, I think Domas will be the biggest influence he'll have in the NBA in his early years. And that's a, that's a great thing for him. I also think the Kings should trade for all-stars and all NBA players right. for yeah. what it's worth especially yeah, that, when you don't have to give up anything right right just, just something for nothing <laughs> exactly yeah like everyone keeps bringing up mikhail bridges um when he was traded to the nets the story is that there is a team that offered four first round picks and the nets turned it down i hope it was the kings i would do it well and, and you know like the other guy you, you mentioned siakam i think og Anobi would be a difference maker and completely turn the kings around defensively and basically be Harrison Barnes on the offensive end, but with an elite defensive mentality that can completely change everything. So that's the guy that the problem with him is he's now entering the final year of his contract, which may be a good thing. It may be a bad thing. Um, a good thing in that he probably won't cost as much as he would have at the trade deadline, but a bad thing in that, um, you know, you could lose him and you could go into a summer where you have, two free agents in Demonis Savonis and OG Ananobi 
and they're both free agents at the same time. And that to me is like scary, scary. And, and people keep saying like that, like Keegan's is a three or like I'm, I'm leading, I'm reading the chat that he's only a three because he can't handle the ball or he's not a slasher, all that stuff. Like, look, we watched even in this playoff series, Keegan show us things that he hadn't shown all season long. He hasn't done things specifically because that's not his role. And I even asked him, was it today that I asked him, like, how are you going to do those? At, like, is there going to be a time where you feel confident enough to just go do the things that you can do that we see that you can do, but you don't do very often? He acquiesces to his teammates too much. And I don't know that that's the one concern I have about him, that it doesn't matter what his skill set is. If he won't do the things that his within his tool bag, then they aren't really things, you know, it's great if you have all these tools, but if you don't know how to use them or you don't know when to use them or you just don't pull them out and use them, then they really aren't that, if you know, important to have in your tool bag. And so I hope that he has that mentality this season, this coming season, because I do think like the sky's the limit. And I also think the Kings have to make a decision. Do you bulk him up and make him a power forward and really work on defining his upper body? Or do you lean him down do a more of a um you know as opposed to mass we're doing like like getting him more cut and, and really work on his his lateral quickness and that's something that i think is a huge question mark what do the kings want to do with him um and either way they they need more physicality they need more length at that position at at the forward position they need more athleticism at cuz it doesn't matter like keegan is a can be an exceptional player, but he's not going to be a guy who like Jeremy Grant can jump out of the gym, even at age 30. Like there's not going to be a moment where he becomes like a legitimate star shot blocker and eight to 10 rebounds a game or a lockdown defender at both the four and the three. Like, I, I just don't see that. Like he's going to be a really good all, all around player, but like to expect him to do some of these things that, he's probably not made to do is, is a little like short-sighted. Um, no, when Dean, Winion Gabriel is not the answer. And that's coming from a guy who loves Winion Gabriel. We had Winion here forever and he's a great kid. Um, let's see. Uh, go ahead and filter in questions. If you've got any, uh, we'd love to answer some of your questions here as we get ready to go out. Um, and, and I think we'll do, We'll do the business of basketball. <laughs> I was going to say, where's that? When you said go out, I was like, hey, where are we going? But no, no. I get what you're saying now. We're going to hit the business of basketball. Um, and the the question I have for you guys, why don't we do this? It, we'll almost do like factor cap unless Brendan, you have factor caps to give us. I don't. God damn it, Brendan. Hey, man. <laughs> Homework assignments. God. <laughs> um, no, I... Uh, Let's let's quickly go through um, Trey Lyles. Is he back or is he not back? Oh, are we doing this already? Well, I think like your first initial, we can we can wait until we get closer. I'll say yes to Trey, but I'm very unsure. I I don't know. Uh, I'm gonna uh, say I just I just think it's too fresh. But if we're playing the game, I'll play the game. Uh, I'm gonna say probably not. Okay. I'm going to say he's back. I'm going to say that he did enough as a small ball five to make people 
like go okay i, I could see him at that position yeah and if we, i'm not it, I, you know sorry you think, i just mean it's not but, that i don't think that they that they want to keep i think look i think all these guys they'd want to keep like there's there's several players on this team that they'd want to keep but uh i think at the end of the day they won't be they won't want to possibly pay the money that he they might be able to command elsewhere um and uh hmm. and you just can't pay everyone you know we get it okay. you think he's going to the warriors he already said it <laughs> yeah i do right wrote it on the paper <laughs> um okay uh terrence davis no 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 move on alex len well you didn't no. answer did you say you say no too he said no I oh he no. did okay okay yeah yeah alex len no. 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 Uh, Chimazi Metu. No. Uh, what are you thinking about? Probably not. Probably not. Um, but I could, I could see it. PJ Dozier. Think, think of it this way. Think of it this way. I could see it, especially in the you lose out. You maybe lose Trey Lyles. Like you don't have to pay Chimazi Metu a boatload of money. Um, or even a little bit of money, like it's. Uh, I think it, it kind of, it kind of. I think there could be a role, possibly. But if I was betting, I'd probably say no. I'm saying no because I don't think. Like I don't think he was always on the same page with, with the coaching right. staff. So yeah, I'm I'm gonna say absolutely not. Um. Okay, we did Alex Lynn. We said no. Uh, PJ Dozier. He's no. he's actually under contract for next year, Just but on a non guaranteed. But yeah. he'll be with the team practicing all summer. His I wrote it down. What his is uh two point four by July tenth. So you actually get into free agency before you have to make a decision on him. So yeah, that's a nice problem to have. Uh, you, you kind of get to not only go through the draft, free agency, uh, the moratorium period, all that stuff, and then actually when is it July sixth when people can sign? Something like I that. Think that's the official day. So yeah, you have July 10th. It's a nice problem to have. Uh, I don't think he'll. I don't think he'll be in the factor though. Yeah. I'm a, I'm, yes. I think he's a PJ. backup plan. He's a backup plan. So like, it's better than having guys that have never played in the league, or guys who have played minimal amounts in the league. So if you need him as a backup, like, could he be a defensive-minded Terrence Davis for this team? Maybe. Um, okay, uh, Keon Ellis. How he's a two-way, but he's a restricted free agent two-way. How dare you? I'm going to say no. Yeah, I can tell. How dare you? You don't think he'll be back? He's a restricted free agent, right? So it's... Uh... But they can bring him back on a, another two-way. Right, correct. They well, yeah, yeah. Can they? Yes, they can. Yeah, yeah. yeah for two You're right. years. Se- second year. Okay. You talked me into it. I forgot okay. they could bring him back for another two-way, so I'll see you. I think the same. I think yes, but just on a two-way level. Okay. Namias Keda. I'm going to go with no. Restricted I'm going to say, well. I'm gonna say yes, uh, particularly with no Alex Len. Um, I could see a pathway where he's here. I, I don't. It's it's far from a solid yes, but I, I could. Yeah, I could see it. I'm gonna say. Yes, I think. I mean, if I'm looking at a Sabonis, Alex Len, Namias Keda, three center with maybe like some other depth. Didn't you say no Alex Len? No, no, I'm sorry. Trey Lyles. Oh, I got uh, you. Demonis Sabonis, Trey Lyles as a small ball five, Namias Keda as a backup five. 
with maybe another four or five combo. What wasn't back of five this year, like all this year, and those are all the same fives as this year. But you're but right. She let but go down Nimi Nimi stayed in Stockton, right? Made big strides with Stockton. Second in the league I, in MVP voting, all defensive. And, uh, first I, team all G League. Go ahead. And I think the next step for him is to be a roster player, and albeit a small, a uh, uh, slightly paid roster player. And you're hoping that development continues that upward trend. Uh, you know, maybe some non guaranteeds in there. Um, but yeah, I, just, I I could I could see it. Um, Rashawn Holmes. <laughs> you know the horrible thing. I'll tell you. The Kings had 14 roster players because of the Delavadova injury in the playoffs. The right. one player that did not play a single minute in the playoffs, Rashawn Holmes. Well, if he's on the team, it's it's not for lack of trying to move him. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to say he's – I just think he's really difficult to trade. And it's, it's everything to do with getting – he makes a, a healthy amount of money and finding a home for him as a result – is difficult so brandon i'm i'm gonna say i have no idea i think they would like to move him but i have no idea no take a side damn it it that's the one guy i can't like it's again no, it's not you an can't option. put him on the front lawn with a free take him sign on there um so you know he, he's and he's more valuable than that anyway i don't want to like you know dismiss rashawn holmes here but uh no i just i i, I don't know i i, I they tried to move him. They've tried. They've, you know, they've they've had discussions. It's tough. I agree. He's like with the Sean's modern point. day. He, he's like the modern day Kenny Thomas. If you go back in that era when mm-hmm. Kenny came here in those first two three years, he was fantastic, and then he was practically unplayable because he didn't fit the the system that they were doing. He made too much money and he couldn't move him. You know, it, it it's 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 just a tough position for him. Fortunately, he's got a beautiful family and they're well compensated and he's a hell of a practice player and he brings it all the time and he's ready. He'll, he'll be ready to, if, if his number is called, but uh, it's, it just doesn't fit with what they're currently trying to do. It's funny. You bring up Kenny Thomas. Kenny Thomas is during an era of expiring contracts, having so much value, the Kings could get nothing for him. They right. could not do anything with an $8 million expiring contract. Um, Brenda, did and, you say yes or no on Rashawn Holmes? I just want to say that uh, it's a bitch move by Sean to not pick a side. Uh, <laughs> we all said bitch moves, man. I love this. I love bitch it. move, bitch move, Sean. Uh, no, I mean I agree completely with Sean's logic. And just to be a man, I'll I'll pick a side and say no. Just to be a man, he will <laughs> not be on the team. I think that they will swing for the fences with a major move and. Rashawn Holmes' contract will be wrapped up in that with a bunch of first-round picks. Where's he going? That's just my uh, Toronto with first-round picks. Yeah, with first-round picks for as huh. as part of a cap for, for like a a much better player. So you're okay. So they're moving first-round picks and Rashawn Holmes. What are they getting? What are they getting here, James? Well, I mean, because anytime you make a trade in the NBA, you have to match salaries. Sure. No, I, no, I are I you saying they're they're sending? first round picks out is what you're saying yes. in order to yeah yes. that's what i thought no no so i'm what, saying so what are you getting i'm saying that they're gonna go after <laughs> no I, I think they'll go after og i think they'll go after og or a player like og around the league yeah 
Okay. Um, Ham, would you go after Jalen Brown if Celtics meltdown? Hmm. Yeah, Leezy, come on now. Yeah. I, I think yes. the best pairing next to DeMontis Sabonis is uh, Joel Embiid, personally. Hmm. Look at you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't mind oh, Giannis yeah. as a secondary uh, option. <laughs> Ca- Callum secondary Lambert. Secondary option. How about this one? What do you guys think? No. Uh, <laughs> no, um, thank you. No. How about no? Brendan is hesitating, and that makes me fearful makes for what you, he's about to say. Makes you think Buckle up, folks. Buckle up. Buckle up. Anything. I'm not going to say anything. I don't know. Do you love you some Porzingis? I don't love me some Porzingis. I don't hate the idea. Oh, I do. Sean's on record. He hates the idea. There's Charles Charles Pierre, Charles Pierre on the chat said everything I was thinking in his second comment. I didn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> let me let me see. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, Another one, Anthony Edwards. Yeah, give me all the all stars. Yeah, that's fine. Just go ahead and give all the. Yeah, no, that's not going to happen. Um, yeah, Porzingis like Porzingis has some really, really weird and bad baggage that you're. I don't think the Kings would touch. So like the well, that um, he's never healthy. Ever no, but he also has like weird stuff. Like his brothers are part of the equation. Oh, no. I, yeah, I, he had yeah, the yeah. rape allegation in um that's in. Right. Uh, New York. Um, his brothers are not a fun part of the equation. Um, yeah, I, uh, some uh, Dean brings up Brooke Lopez. Yet yeah, I don't think Dip, uh, Brooke Lopez is going to leave. Um, oh God, no, no. Uh, Brad asks, "What? What is? Uh, what about Nas Reed? What is his contract situation?" Um, yeah, I love Nas Reed as well. And Nas Reed is a weird anomaly in the NBA, where he's, I think, a fourth year player that is a non-restricted free agent. He is unrestricted going into the summer and they already have like $8 billion tied up into non-functional centers. And so Nas Reed will probably be looking for a new team. And I Uh, don't think it's a team that is playing the center in front of him 35 minutes a night. No, but could he play next to Sabonis with his ability to stretch the floor? Don't think that defense is uh, solid there. I don't know. He's a shot blocker. He can do some stuff. Uh, Kuzma. People keep bringing up Kuzma. Again, I just don't. Kuzma doesn't really take it serious. Like I, like Kuzma has been on a winning team one time with the Lakers when they won the championship, right? Uh, like the bubble team. But You're outside of then shitty here. Oh yeah. <laughs> there you go. So, but outside of that, I just like he's about the lifestyle. Like, I'm not sure that, mm. that he comes in and he helps. I don't know. Like numbers wise and like fit wise, I think he actually does fit. Hmm. I think that would be great if you could pull that off. Um, that's the type of, I mean, that's the type of move you need to make, you know, he's, he's in that, he's in those guys that I identify that I like in that position. So. Okay. What about Grant Williams? Probably not. Okay, and then the the one that I think is gonna like we saw today that Dallas is probably not bringing back uh, uh, Christian Wood. Christian Wood, not a big Christian Wood fan. I mean, you Me knew that either. Talked about him in Houston. I'm not touching him. Yeah, I've heard enough to make me think I don't really, I don't believe he's a good fit either. Actually, like 
functionally, he is a great fit. Like if you look at what he does, but if you, if you're just looking at the numbers, you watch him play and everything I hear there is he just isn't a winning basketball player, which is like the story of Christian Wood. <laughs> you know, yeah. every team's like, wow, this, this could work great. And then it just doesn't actually, you oh. know what someone said? They said, um, like, I kind of feel the same way I think about Christian Woods that I think about Marvin Bagley. And that's not like shots fired at Marvin Bagley. That's just like, that's who he is. Like he will get numbers, but what does that mean? Hmm. I like that somebody posed like OG or Pascal. And I would tell you, I think it was Tyler who said it, whichever one you don't want, I would take. I would take OG in a heartbeat. Like I, I I don't think you can go wrong with either one of them. So Siakam is, is considerably older if I'm not mistaken. He he went and got old out of nowhere. Um, yeah, yeah, he's twenty nine, where OG is twenty six, and sort of fits like the age arc of this team. Um, yeah, Keldon Johnson I think would be a really nice fit, but uh, San Antonio is not moving on from him. Uh, Vince Castel Castellano, Yana, uh, Castellano, Castellano. There we go. Uh, Dame Lillard. Uh, no. How how. Well, I mean, you had Kyrie Irving sitting in the front row. What do you think, Sean? Is he a future Sacramento King? He is not. He's probably a future Los Angeles Laker or staying with the Mavericks. Okay. Uh, they said uh, somebody said that the Lakers will not be chasing him. Um, yeah. PJ Washington uh, is a restricted free agent, and I think Charlotte is going to match just about anything for him. Um, within reason and the Kings don't really have something that they could offer that would be within reason. Um, I don't know. Gordon Hayward for cheap. Nope. No, well, no, God, no for cheap. Yeah, I, I would definitely. <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> so Tyler, you bring up uh, again, OG, if OG were available, like, I think you would have to like salary filler. So that's where we talked about like Rashawn Holmes or, and something else, right? Um, maybe you have to go Davion. Maybe you have to do something. Um, but would it be two or three first round picks? Like you could give them this year's first round pick after the draft and let them make the draft pick. Uh, then you don't have your 2014, 15, 16, but you could also just, and you can't trade 17 either. Uh, you could call Atlanta and say, hey, we'll just give you our 2000 not 14, 15, 16, 24, 25, 26. Sorry. You could just give up your 2024 and they would probably take it. Uh, maybe they wouldn't, I don't know, but then that would allow you to go out and trade like your 26 or 28 without any problems. Um, I would even offer if they want to get out from underneath it, you could even say, Hey, how about we bump up and give you the 2023 first round pick the number 24 pick uh, to finish off the uh, Kevin Herter deal and then the Kings would have all their first round picks moving forward. That would be interesting. Um, do you think the Kings move any of their their current uh, long term contracts? I think uh, that the standout one to me is Davion. I'm definitely not saying I expect that. I just think as a player that I would imagine has decent value around the league right now, and it's hard to imagine a way that it works out with De'Aaron Fox being in front of him where he'd be able to actualize his potential ceiling 
that maybe it would make sense, but that's not a expectation or anything. I just could see the logic behind that. Yeah, I mean, I could see a few guys that are major rotational, major, but but I don't know. I mean, that's if you're swinging for some fences and and having to make some type of move that uh, I'm always for. And uh, but I don't, I just don't see anything like that at the moment because. Uh, I think they really like the people that they have. Um, Brendan, you mentioned Davion. Sure. You could see that, but um, I honestly feel like they, they like the pieces that they have Davion included uh, as they move forward here. And it's really trying to find some plug and play around them. You know, you got some question marks with some free agents, um, but I think some of the guys that are at least on the roster and uh, with the exception of like someone like Rashawn Holmes, who obviously is on the roster and has, uh, as a contract, um, yeah, I think they, I think they'd love to just add to it. Um, Lizzy brings up Kelly Oubre. Uh, first of all, Kelly Oubre and De'Aaron Fox have a like spectacular relationship. They've been friends since uh, high school. They are on the same AAU team. Um, I once asked De'Aaron what he thought if he would take Kelly on the team, and he said, "In a heartbeat." He said, right. because positionally guys like that with that length and that athleticism and that ability just don't grow on trees and the Kings don't have that type of guy. And that could be a guy that were a budget fit to replace Harrison Barnes short term uh, might make some sense, uh, but super athletic, a little crazy. And that's right. Something you got to deal with, but the Kings might have crazy. the Yeah. They might have the culture to deal with a little crazy. I don't think it's that he doesn't care enough. I, I think he's just, I think he's erratic as a person. And that's something that you got to figure out. Um, the McDaniels, I would take any of the McDaniels. I think that they all make sense. Um, I don't think Dean, you keep asking about Lori Markinen. Uh, I don't think he's going to be made available. Uh, the Kings, more. the Kings already have Jordan Clarkson. His name is Malik Monk. Um, and so I don't think you're going to go there. Um, Okay. I, I don't know. Like we've covered most of your questions in here. Uh, we're going to keep doing this like all throughout the summer and everything else. Sean is like rolling his eyes. Like, wait a sec. What? What do you um, mean? I didn't roll my eyes. I'm just kidding. I actually just, yeah, I'm all for it. Yeah. We, we might in uh like once we get past this initial like evaluation of what just happened and all that stuff, uh, we'll probably cut back to once we get past, um, trades and free agency we'll probably come back to one pot a week uh or maybe uh, we'll do one regular pot a week and then one interview pod where we're bringing in guests and stuff like that um but uh we're gonna keep plugging away and uh we really appreciate appreciate everybody joining us here on this uh, adventure we have 260 people in the chat right now if you guys don't mind if you haven't already give us a thumbs up that always helps um, and you, if you want to, uh, comment at this point, you do have to go in and subscribe and that takes like two seconds. And then you're allowed to make all kinds of comments and do whatever that you like. Uh, we haven't seen DB in a, in a while DB. If you're out there, uh, Sean is filling, um, like a little, like, like, where's my guy. We would Where, know if he was out here. We would know it's possible that <laughs> DB is just a lurker and doesn't want to subscribe. So yeah. you can't make a comment to make Sean feel awkward. Uh, Dean, you keep yelling about Karis Levert. I, I, next time you <laughs> might want to go 
uh, all caps. Um, and, and then, you know what? Uh, somebody in all caps, Mike Dizzle 40, uh, we'll just pop this up. Please ask Mike, uh, coach, uh, well, please ask coach why he benched Davion. Uh, that's all caps. So we understand that you're screaming at us now. Uh, we are actually, while we've been on the, uh, the podcast today, it was announced that we will have Mike Brown interview tomorrow. That's going to be a question that gets asked without any questions. Uh, not only will we ask about, uh, about him, but also Harrison Barnes and all that stuff. Like why Harrison wasn't part of the, the plan in the final two games. Um, and that'll all be part of tomorrow's business as we're, we're going through it. Um, all right. Do you guys have any final thoughts? I feel like we should start with James's final thoughts this time. Yeah. Why don't you go first? <sighs> James's final thoughts. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm worn out like the last couple of days. Like I had to actually take naps to get through the day. Uh, naps, like naps are life. Naps are spectacular, um, but this has been a, a crazy ride, a lot of fun. Uh, I've fully enjoyed it as, uh, well, way more than any other season of Kings coverage in my 13, um, mainly because they won and it's a little bit more fun. I thought the fan engagement was spectacular. Uh, my my guy, uh, John Santiago, was out in the crowd uh, yesterday, like out in the doco taking pictures and stuff and like, like amazed how the people, how the fans were and everything else just outside the arena. Um, I, I think this is like, it's been such a fun season filled with a bunch of dudes that want to hang out and want to be together and want to roll uh, to run this thing back. I'm not sure that we're going to get the same 15 guys, but I do think the core will be pretty stable and we'll actually be able to get, uh, you know, some, some continuity here. And I think it should be a good season next year. So those are my final thoughts. Bring on the sun because I, I can't handle this weird cold weather. It's, this is one of the things that makes my back go out, and I don't need that right now. All right. Sean, what do you got for final thoughts? My turn. Uh, I don't know. This was a tremendous season. So for Kings fans, you should be very, very happy. Uh, there's going to be, you know, it almost seems like the NBA for the most part is nearly a year long uh thing that is covered um you're gonna have um you're gonna have california classic you're gonna have summer league you have the draft before that uh hopefully there's be some pre-draft workouts that come through and hopefully there's hopefully there's access to them um and (laughs) summer yeah i mean and then you know then you get free agency and all that kind of stuff and then you get like one month maybe a little bit more than that where nothing happens so Hope people really enjoy the, the the time and and we'll be here and uh, looking forward to to more coverage going forward. I got to jump on Warriors, so we'll I'll be if you follow me, you'll see a lot of Warriors stuff there. No need to unfollow or mute, but there'll be some Warriors coverage as long as far as they go as usual. And then uh, you know jumping onto other sports, 49ers camp and a lot of that stuff. So, um, but King still comes first, so um, that's the priority. Brendon. I mean, first of all, it's a shame that Mike Brown has his presser at noon tomorrow. I was planning an all-day movie marathon, and that's right you when lie. life was slotted in. And it's just <laughs> – it really sucks, man. Every time I plan to watch it, something comes up. Um, <laughs> it's it's a real shame. And it's the only day. I don't know. Every other day I'm busy. Mm-hmm. Um, 
<laughs> I uh, can't wait. I want to keep that same energy when they announce Monty McNair like the day later, or two yeah. days after that. Yeah, see, there's never time. I'm telling you, I try. <laughs> I try. Um, I am excited for off-season coverage, believe it or not. Like, I'd rather be covering the second round of, of the playoffs right now, for sure. But I think that I've gotten just accustomed to really looking forward to off-season coverage in years prior and that being an important time of year. And it's a little bit of a different perspective this year of researching a guy for 24 and 38 rather than a lottery pick in the top 10, you know? And also, I think we're in a situation where Sacramento is an appealing place for people now. And I don't know that that was a part of the conversation before. If anything, it was in the other direction. So I still think uh, off-season – it's going to be interesting to to talk about and kind of get to go through. It's I'm going to be funny. F- yeah, go ahead. Sorry, James. I, I was going to say I'm all for um, De'Aaron Fox and and Malik Monk going out and getting more Kentucky boys. <laughs> um. Well, if they're yeah, well, I I think I think it's going to be fun. Good, to see. But yeah. I, it it feels like the last day of school in a way, right? And it, I kind of used this analogy on the radio the other uh, earlier today, where it's like, you know, it's going to be fun to see who shows up at first day of school next next season as it opens up at the end of September, and like you're like, oh, that dude can grow a beard now, or this guy like in in high school, you're just like, oh, that guy like has hair on his chest now. That that's wild. Like it some of these guys are going to take a major, a major step, you know, and uh, in their development. And it's kind of the equivalent to that. So um, it's always a fun, fun time to see. That's always my favorite part. Like who, who did the work during the off season, who comes out and looks great, who, who decided that this is their year to be great. And I honestly, everything that we got from their exit interviews is the Kings learned a lot from this series. They're very appreciative not only that, if they were going to lose in the first round, just like the what I got from De'Aaron Fox is if they were going to lose in the first round, they're kind of glad it was the Warriors because they know that the Warriors are the best of the best. They're the champs. They're the ones that have all the experience. And so you go into the offseason with some sort of like understanding of what it takes to get to the next level. And I thought we saw players rise up. We saw some players fade. But the players who rose up, they now know that that's the level that they need to put themselves at for an entire year. And I I think there's a lot of acceptance of that, that this is who we're going to be now. We're going to be that this team. And I think that this team is ready. This is not a one and done playoff team. This is a multi-year playoff situation, in my opinion. And so we'll have to see how it goes. I also think that this is the right time of year for live happy hours, for what it's worth. Uh, I would love to do a live happy hour. Let me uh, let's get the one happy hour that I'm I'm trying to get uh, I'm going to try to work on to really like kick this thing off. But uh, this summer we will do a live happy hour. Do you guys have any vacation plans? Oh come on now, <laughs> it's lots of concerts, man. Lots, lots of, of concerts. concerts stacking up already. Um, Bottle Rock end of this month. Oh, that, that's in Napa. So if you're out there, have fun with me. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't really have, like, I think we're going to do San Diego possibly twice. Uh, I know, ironically enough, as King season open gets underway in training camp, I will be heading down to San Diego that Wednesday and spending a few days down there. Um, oh, 
still interfere a little bit with camp for me. But yeah, there's gonna be some fun fun stuff on the horizon. Brandon? No. No. I gotta get a car first, you know. There you go. <laughs> we're doing we're doing Puerto Vallarta and we're doing it at the most inopportune time, but we're going with another family. So it's we're going from June twenty fourth to July first. I'll huh. I'll have my laptop the whole time. And I can Didn't... only handle so much sun. Danielle asked me the best question of the night, which is, did I see Riri's mega gala look? I absolutely did. I have many thoughts. It was fantastic. It's good to see her there. She hadn't been at Met Gala for a long time. Still waiting for my invitation to Met Gala. I'd probably show up and wear a Hurley hat. But um, yeah, there was a lot of good stuff at Met Gala this year. To see Jarrett Leto was a big fucking cat dressed in a cat suit. That was wild. Like Doja Cat is like, she's called Doja Cat, but it was all like for Carl Lagerfeld's cat. Like everyone's paying homage to... To, to that cat man that was kind of weird wild okay so uh like i'm gonna throw this out there uh, before we get off the show tonight um number one give us a thumbs up number two uh sure did join the king's beat uh go to the kingsbeat.com uh become a premium subscriber uh so we can do this year round and and keep going with this thing uh, but also if you work for a local business that would like to host us for a happy hour then reach out like you guys all can get my emails just respond to one of the emails i'll get it um and so if there's someone out there who works at a local restaurant that's got enough room for us to do like a like a in-person happy hour even if it's not a um even if we don't do a show although i would like to do a show well you don't oh i'm just saying we don't have to no no i'm saying like yeah we can decide if we want to do a show or not um, but yeah, if there's, if there's anyone out there that would like to, uh, to, uh, host us, we would definitely figure it out. Um, Tyler Griner brings up, did you guys see James Harden? I, I actually think he killed cookie monster and turned him into a bad outfit. Huh. Like, uh, did you see that? It was like, he, it literally looked like, uh, a cookie monster skin outfit. He looked ridiculous. And he dropped 45 and hit a crazy shot to win the game. So cooking monster game ball. Next time he's gonna kill Elmo and have Elmo <laughs> suit. He's gonna wear full Elmo. Uh the next game he'll like clearly show us that he killed Bert and Ernie and have like a striped shirt on. Um, yeah. Are you guys proud know. of me, by the way, for my Mythbusters reference? We're never proud. We're never I proud was of you. proud of you for your Mythbusters. <laughs> Oh, there he is. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, hard to see. Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Cookies. That's uh, a good impression, man. You got it, it down. It was pretty good. I, I can do all kinds of impressions. Brennan hears it because he's been in the car with me. No? <laughs> so when you're in you, the car, you just fire off impressions? I do. It's a long Sometimes, drive. Like, I do uh, like Hank Hill. Um, I've heard that one. A common one, man. Yeah, there's something else I do that I can't remember. I think um, it's your Sean Cunningham impression, but I could be no, wrong. No, I don't do Is there people one? that I know. I don't do people that I know. <laughs> well, I do one that I know, but I'm not going to do that one on the air. So, Oh, oh. inquiring minds. What are, we, what are we talking about? I'll text you guys. <laughs> All right. God. Yeah, it puts the lotion on its skin again. There we go. Uh, well, that's going to do it for this edition of the King's Beat Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us on this incredible journey all season long uh it's a bummer the kings are out it was an incredible series um we're super excited to cover what's next we got to dive into draft coverage we got to dive into free agency coverage 
um and it's already it's already may like so i it's wild how uh, a a seven game series eats up like two and a half weeks of your life like that and so now we're at this point where we're already looking at the draft and everything else coming up within like six weeks um it's going to be a fun fun uh couple of months as the kings try to reshape this roster to get it to the next round and uh potentially more so for box 40 sean cunningham and brendan nunes from the King's Pulse Podcast. I am James Hamby, Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. See you later this week. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.